Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so excited that you're joining me today. I have another fantastic interview for you. This one is going to be really helpful if you've been thinking about your career in learning and development or talent development. And hopefully you listened to my episode that I released last week, which was a solo episode all about owning your career in L&D. That was one that I've had on my mind, especially with all the keynote talks I've been doing around my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and the conversations we've been having in the talent development think tank community. I wanted to make sure that you, the talent development professionals, have resources and you are thinking about owning your career. And it obviously struck a chord with some people. Some of you posted about it on LinkedIn and told your friends and sent me feedback. And I really appreciate that because I really want you to think about owning your career. And and quite frankly, I'm a little fired up today because I heard from some people recently who said they can't either join my community or they are leaving because even though they love the community, they just don't have the time. They've got too many meetings. They're way too busy at work and they just can't make any of our calls. And that got me really fired up because you have to make your own schedule and control your schedule. Yeah, I know that work is busy and can get crazy sometime and everybody has their own situation, but you know this as well as anybody else, that if you're going to invest in yourself, if you're going to make time for learning, you've got to schedule that and you've got to protect that time so that you're actually able to get it done. If you're going to go get a certification or you're going to take a course, then you're going to have to protect that time so you can get it done. And if you're going to join a membership community, you want to make sure that you can be there for some of the calls, which means you put it on your calendar and you make sure nobody else can take that away from you because that time is for you. That time is for you to work on your career, to build your network for your own personal growth and career growth. 
And that's what the community is all about. That's what I want for everybody who joins. I'm all about helping people grow in their career. And someone else who is all about helping people in L&D grow in their careers is my friend Sarah Canistra, who I met through one of our members, actually a couple of our members, a few months ago. And she joined our community. And I have been blown away by not only her experience and knowledge and the advice that she gives, but the questions she asks and her kindness and her generosity and how thoughtful she is in helping others and how she's reached out and embraced the community. And I've loved having her as part of it. And I was excited to get her on the podcast to share some advice with all of you who are thinking about how do I get into learning and development or how do I change my career in learning and development or how do I move up and get ahead? Or maybe you've been wondering, what certification should I get? Should I go out and get a certification or take a certain course? Is it worth it? Uh, well, Sarah says that is the number one question that she gets. And we are going to address that in this interview. And actually, we had a call in the Talent Development Think Tank community a couple of weeks ago entirely focused on should we get? Should I get a certification? What certification should I get? And we had a great discussion for an hour, and uh, we addressed that in this interview as well. And you know, I've mentioned the think tank community a couple times. This podcast, of course, is sponsored by the Talent Development Think Tank community, which is the number one place to go for learning and development professionals to grow, to learn, to network, connect with others, share best practices, and solve real problems. Yeah, we talk about real issues in there. We bring in guest speakers. We have open forums where we talk about the issues that matter. Most recently, the certification question. Before that, we had a whole conversation about how different companies were handling the vaccine and return to work and vaccine policies and being inclusive of people that choose not to get the vaccine. It was quite an interesting discussion. And the recordings from all those calls are available in our member vault. So even if you don't join the full community, you can also join our foundation level and get access to the recordings and listen to some of those calls. Now, all the information is available on our website at tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. And you can put in when you sign up code HOTSEAT, H-O-T-S-E-A-T, for 10% off. And let me know that you heard about it on the podcast. And I would love to connect with you and find out more about you and what you hope to get out of the community as well. And I'd be excited for you to join. Our podcast is also sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. And they also are the sponsors of our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com, where you can find all of our past episodes as well as some free resources that they have available, webinars, PDFs, all kinds of stuff to help you do your job in talent development. All right. Speaking of talent development, learning and development, our guest today, Sarah Canistra, is an L&D career and executive coach and founder of The Overnight Trainer, specializing in helping aspiring and existing L&D professionals create and build the L&D career of their dreams. Since beginning her career in L&D over a decade ago, Sarah has created hundreds of learning and development programs for over 5,000 learners, led the learning function for four different organizations, and hired and trained dozens of L&D professionals. She now uses what she has learned in her career to develop the L&D careers of others. She is a coach, a career coach specializing in helping learning and development professionals get the best job and accelerate their career success. She also does some L&D consulting. And as I mentioned earlier, she is very knowledgeable. She is experienced. She is kind. And she is just fun to talk with. And I know that you are going to enjoy this interview. So without further ado, here's my interview with Sarah Canestra. Enjoy. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Andy. I'm really, really, really excited to be here. 
I'm long, time, long time fan of the show. So happy to be on it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm a fan of you and your work. And, um, you know, you joined the talent development think tank community a few months ago. We've gotten to know each other a little bit. And I know everybody who has a conversation with you just raves about your knowledge and your experience and your enthusiasm in the L&D space and how helpful you are. And so I've been eager to get you on the podcast to share some of that with other people, especially people who are thinking about getting into learning and development, finding ways to grow their career in L&D. But I know you also work with a lot of experienced L&D professionals to help them you know, accelerate their career success. And we can talk about some things that you can do and whether it's worth it to go out and get certifications and all the questions that you get. But let's start with you know, who you are. What is it that you, how do you describe what you do today? Great question. I feel like it's it's always evolving, but uh, yeah. like I said, I'm Sarah Canistra and I am the founder of The Overnight Trainer. And it started off as something pretty small, just wanting to help people who had just kind of found themselves in, in training be better at it. And it's grown in the past year. Next next month, I'll be celebrating my, my one-year anniversary, which is very exciting, uh, but into a full-on coaching business. So I coach people at all stages of their learning and development career. So whether they are trying to transition inside of L&D or into L&D, and trying to navigate all of that, I coach from a career coaching perspective. Um, once people are in L&D for the first time, it's kind of like, I got that job, now what? I'm helping people coach through that that next hump. And then on that higher level, people who are looking to move up within their already established L&D career, whether it's moving to management or to a different sector of learning and development, um, really helping not only with the career coaching on that side, but how to be a better strategic learning and development leader as well. So all stages of the L&D career cycle, I help coach people through. That's great. We'll try to address all three of those those stages. Let's start with the aspiring learning and de- development professional, because I know I have some of those who listen to this show. I've heard from listeners who have said, you know, thank you so much for putting this together because I'm finishing my master's or I'm trying to get into L&D and I've been learning as much as I can and taking this knowledge to interviews and things like that, which has been really cool. So for those out there who are just starting out or maybe making a transition from somewhere else in HR or marketing, whatever it may be, and trying to get their foot in the door and start a new career in L&D. What, what are some, what's some advice that you usually give to people in that situation? How do we get started? Yeah, I think I'll, the first piece of advice, which is kind of like my entry level piece of advice, hmm. um, not entry level role, but it's kind of as you're starting to think about this transition yeah. is that there are no skills that are unique to learning and development. So whatever skill interest you have, that can absolutely be applicable inside of the world of learning and development. So we're talking, you could have marketing skills, you could have education skills, you could have writing skills, you could have technology skills, no matter what skill you have that you really want to use there's an opportunity for you inside of learning and development. So it's not that you have to relearn, it's that you have to figure out, okay, how do I apply this set of skills to this type of job? So it's a very transferable industry and kind of sector to get into. So that's that's the great news when it comes to transitioning into L&D is anyone can do it. There's, there's nothing stopping anyone from doing it. Um, the second piece of advice and people who know me are like, of course, she's going to say this, um, is to really truly understand what your niche is. And when I say that, I, I, it comes from more of when I first started working with clients one-on-one, 
I noticed they were all over the place of what they were applying to. They were applying to instructional designer jobs over here, to corporate training specialists over here, to a learning management system administrator over here. And, you know, looking at it, I'm like, you are applying, to, you have a mixed bag of jobs in front of you. Yeah. Like, what do you actually want to do? And so when I say your niche, I mean, kind of what is that space carving out that little unique space for yourself inside of learning and development? Um, and I have a whole, I have a free guide on this as well. So if people go to my website, theovernighttrainer.com slash nailing your niche. I walk through five steps uh, on how to how to figure out what that is. And it streamlines the search for you to really figure out what that what that perfect role is inside of LD. I, I focus a lot on not for my my especially my clients, but people in general, stop focusing on trying to fit into all of these different boxes mm. and and really identify what's your own box and apply to jobs that fit within that box. Now right. we're constantly trying to shape shift who we are to fit other people's expectations. And this is a life lesson as well, right? Yeah. But bringing it back in and saying, okay, who am I? What do I bring to the table? And how do I find a role that suits me in that sense that I don't have to completely change who I am just for a job? Yeah. And what do I want in a job and in my career? And where do I want to go? You and I are so aligned on this. I mean, I talk about it in my book and, and keynotes that I do, like it all starts with the vision for where you want to go in your career, which, and that even starts with the self-reflection and self-awareness of who am I? What do I like doing? What do I not like doing? Strengths, weaknesses? What do I enjoy about the work? What attracts me to learning and development? And I'm sure you see people all the time. They're just like, well, I need to apply for this. I need to apply for this. And that leads into one of the other questions I was going to ask you, which we've had discussions on which is, should I go get certifications, right? To help me become more qualified for certain jobs. And, and we had a whole hour long discussion about this recently in the talent development think tank community, because so many people are asking that question, should I get certifications? What certifications should I get? And, I'm, and you said, it's one of the top questions you get, right? People coming, well, I'm applying for this job. Should I come in and be decertified? And I know one of the questions that you brought up in that on that call that was the most important that lines back up to everything we we've been talking about is why why do you want to go get certified right yeah i've i thought so much about this since that conversation it's something that I, probably every single day since then i really thought about and it's it's such a personal decision to get cert, to certified or get your master's degree and it is it i would say is the top two, three, probably most often question I, I get asked is, you know, what type of certifications do I need? And I think when people come to it with that, with that mindset of like, what do I need versus like, what do I want to be skilled in? Um, for me personally, I didn't even have a college degree when I became a director of training. So I, I have a very unique view and personal experience of having a lot of transferable skills that the right company saw and put me in a position in L&D, put me in a position yeah. of leadership. I went back to school and I got my degree in organizational leadership and learning because I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I, it had nothing to do with my job trajectory. I was already a director. I knew I could go get other director jobs yeah. that the right company would see that, wow, she's done this and she's really good at it. She sure. doesn't have a degree, but I did it for me yeah. and it was an expense, but my company helped pay for some of it too. So, yeah. you know, it's really such a personal decision of 
if you come into it saying like, do, what do I need in order to get this job? It's taking a step back and saying, well, what do I want to do? What do I want? How do I want to show up? It goes back to that niche, right? Like yeah. if your niche is in something like, wow, I really want to focus on coaching people through strengths finders. And that's what your niche is. Then yeah, maybe you want to get certified and learn more about strengths finders and be able to do that. But yeah. there's so many niches out there that when you actually explore and you look at other people's trajectory. And I don't want you to always focus on other people's trajectory, right. but you can learn. None from of them. Ha- yeah. I work with, I would say, I would say 95% of my clients, actually none of my clients have ever had like, um, an additional certification in learning. Some of them have a master's degree in education and, and a lot of it's early childhood education. Um, I had someone who has a, uh, change management certification. But other than that, anyone I work with for the most part doesn't have anything additional. So mm-hmm. it's more of a personal decision to make and not making it from a place of almost of fear and scarcity of, well, if I don't have this, I won't get a job. That's yeah. false. That's a false narrative. Right, um, but right. if you want to be skilled in something and you want to specialize in something, that's something for you to look at internally and decide if that's what you want to do with your money. And the question that came up for me is like, if you had to pay for it out of your own pocket, would you? Mm-hmm. And if there was no piece of paper connected to it, like if you weren't certified after, would you still want to do this? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, are you doing it for the piece of paper or are you doing it because you actually want to grow and learn in that specialization? Yeah. Do you just want to put the letters on LinkedIn you know, and say people that, that you did this? And, you know, that's also an interesting question if you were paying for it. And and some people listening are thinking, well, I'm just starting out. Of course, I'm going to pay for it. But when we had that discussion in the think tank, there were multiple people who said, you know, basically some form of, well, my company is going to pay for it. So I'll just go do it. Right. Like, why not? And I totally get that. Right. If you've got the time and your company and you think it might benefit you, although there's still a time benefit analysis, you're still spending a bunch of time on it. And what if you never use it? Like, was that a good use of your time? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's like it's like learning a language, right? You know, I my I have a I'm certified in DISC and I'm certified in StrengthsFinders, and both of those were offered up to me through the a company initiative, and it was more because of the facilitation work that I was doing at that time, and so we were doing a lot of in-house DISC facilitation, and so it made sense. Um, and same thing with one of my consulting partners; uh, they offered that for me in order to you know help coach people through StrengthsFinders. But I don't think I would have paid for either of those if it was my own money. it's not something that has changed my career or given me an upper hand in certain things. Uh, It's just a a skill that I have that I could have learned without the certification in all honesty, but it was provided to me. So, and it seemed interesting at the time and it was a good trade-off of my time and energy. So I chose it, but it's not something that has changed my life. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. I'm reflecting back in 2016. I thought I really wanted to pursue a career as a coach and I got certified as a coach. And then I went later and I paid to get Hogan certified. I, I a discounted price through a friend who was running it, but still it was, it was a decent amount of money and I haven't used it once since then. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a good experience, but uh, if I could just take that money back and use it for something else, I, I think I would, right? You know, yeah, it's, all an, it's all an investment, right? So it's like big, some investments are good and some investments are bad. And that includes investments in yourself too. Absolutely. And I'm a big fan of investing in yourself. Obviously, you know, I run a community and (laughs) I invest in others and hire coaches and I know you do as well. But as with hiring coaches, investing yourself certifications, I think it all comes back to that question that you brought up, which is why, why do you want to do it? Do you have a good reason 
or are you just doing it because you think it's going to help you get a job? I also thought it was interesting, you know, your career path that you mentioned working for a while and then going back and getting your college degree, because I followed the you know, traditional society path. I finished high school and went right into college and got a four-year degree. And that's because, I mean, my parents were like, basically, I thought if I didn't go get a, go to college right away, I was going to be disowned by my family, right? There was a lot of pressure there and, and things have worked out fine, right? But I think about this all the time, you know, formal education is definitely ripe for disruption. How silly it is that we make 18 year olds go jump in, choose a major and decide like, this is what you want to do for the rest of your career instead of going and working for a while and being like, oh yeah, I like this. I don't like this. I mean, you really know a lot more about yourself at 25 than you do at 18 to kind of figure out what you want to do. And yet we're, we're kind of, we're not going to solve education here today, but to kind of make people choose a, a career path at 18 seems kind of silly. Oh, it's shocking. I mean, and and to ask them to go into hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. in debt while 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 exploring, you know, what they what right. they don't want to do. And yeah, I went to school for psychology, for political science, you know, they're all all the things. And I I had to put myself through school, and I was working three jobs. And mm. it's a, a long story for another day. It's in my podcast. It's episode one. But you know, basically, I had an opportunity to start working full time and get a discount on my on my rent. And I often and I was making more money. Than I, than all my friends who had, were graduating college, and so I made the decision to leave and to focus on mm. something that I really love, which was my career at the time. And if I wouldn't have done that, there is no way, shape, or form that I would have ever gotten into learning and development. I mean, I can't say that as a fact, but that decision, I look back of like that. That's what got me into property management, and my property management career led me into learning and development inside yeah. of that industry, and now has led to me to all the other things that I've been able to do. But I wouldn't have necessarily had that career trajectory if I didn't make that decision to drop out of college. So I'm so grateful that I yeah. dropped out of college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in my in my my keynote that I, I presentation I give at companies and stuff I talk about, I start off by talking about basically the big goals and dreams that I did not fulfill and things that I quit uh, because there are lessons to be learned from that. And I'm grateful for all of those things on my journey because it got me to where I am today. So going back, this this is a good transition to hey, we figured out, and also a good justification too. Earlier, you talked about how people getting into L&D come from all different backgrounds. There's no one, you need to have a degree in psychology or learning, or you have to have a DISC certification or Myers-Briggs or any of that stuff. People come from the business, from finance, from you know property management, like you said, all different types of stuff. So it's, it starts to figure out what you want to do and then you know setting those goals, maybe working with a coach. But you're, people get into L&D. For those that have kind of got that foot in the door now, they're starting out their L&D career. They're really excited. How do you help them then? What can they do to help set themselves up for future success? Yeah, I think the first part is looking at the skill set application, right? So it's you you have now spent however much time it was to get this job talking about your transferable skills and highlighting them and selling them, but now it's time to put them in action. So I think really truly look and if you've done the work to identify your niche and find the right role at the right company, which is what I say to exhaustion to my clients, it's about both of those things. It's about now how do I take these set of unique skills that make me who I am and a really great person to be in learning and development. And how do I now apply that? So I think that's the first part is like really sitting down and saying, okay, all of these skills that got me the job are exactly what I'm going to need to be doing, which is great. That means you're already qualified, you know, you already know what to do, but it's how do I now apply them? And maybe that's through 
you know, understanding what type of programming you're doing or working, have a mentor with inside the organization. And um, I do a lot of coaching around this as well, but how do I apply those skill sets? I think the second part is really then being able to create your own unique framework, essentially, of what do I bring to the table? You know, learning itself, and I did a post on this, like learning, there's no one right way to do learning and development. There's just, there just isn't, right? Everyone can compete with all their different models, and but you, organizations are unique, learning and development professionals are unique, right? And so it's really saying how looking at the organization I'm within and the skills I bring to the table, how do I create this unique framework for myself? Um, that's more, it's your signature essentially. Um, and the last part, I think as you're going to getting into that is not of your L&D career is not losing sight of that growth strategy for yourself, right? As, as lifelong learners, as most of us are in this L&D space, we are constantly soaking up information. So it's almost kind of recalibrating your niche and figuring out, all right, what is it that I want to do next? And maybe it's okay. It's a wider net at this point, right? You're just kind of starting out, but starting to, whether it's journaling or taking note or writing it down on your phone, but as things are coming up, you're like, yes, I really like this. Not so much on this starting to figure out, you know, what are the pieces I want to start putting together for that next move? And while I'm doing really well in my current role, how do I really focus on growth within this role? And then also growth in the future too. Yeah, absolutely. That all makes sense, right? That you've got that niche now, you, you figure out where you want to go in your career, you've got the job. Now, how do you set yourself up for future success? You're investing and in learning, going out and doing those different things. Where does networking play into that? And you think, how do you talk to people about uh, the importance of networking and building a personal brand? Two things that I think are really important to set you up for success and thinking about it through the lens of, well, how do I move up in L&D? Oh yeah. I mean, I would say the majority of my clients from a job searching perspective, the majority, at least, at least 50%, if not the majority get their roles from networking. So I think from a job search perspective, it's incredibly important. I think from the, I'm already in my role and I want to grow. This is where you get to have fun and start to figure out like trial and error, right? I call it your proof of concept. And I, I use the same formula when it comes to job search, but as you're kind of redefining what your niche is, because that niche changes, right? My niche 10 years ago when I got into L&D is not the same that it is now. And so as you're constantly kind of looking and redefining it, right, it's talking to people who are within that niche and connecting with them and starting really genuine conversations to learn about them and their journey and what they do that will help you say, okay, is this what I want to do next? Is this the direction I want to go in? Um, you might hear about some challenges. I always ask, tell people, ask about the challenges they face, right? Like now indeed, that's what we do. We solve challenges and problems. So you might hear from five people who have the same type of role that you're thinking about moving into next, that they have all these challenges and you're like, actually, I really don't want to solve those problems, right? right. That is not what I'm into, right? Then you get to kind of go back to the drawing board, which is fun in this case, right? Of, okay, let me go back through these skills and interests and, and recalibrate and realign and network with another group of people as, as new things show up. And eventually you start to hear patterns. And when things start to sound like, yes, okay, I'm hearing two, three, four, five people all talking about something similar that really resonates with me. That's when you know, you're really on, you're onto something there. Yeah. It's, I like that idea of, of looking at the roles that you might want to get to and seeing what are the things that they're working on. And is that something you want to work on? Oh, totally. Uh, and, and do you want to do that type of job? And it reminds me too, of like coming up at consulting and looking at, you know, the vice presidents or people who partners who have moved up and then 
and seeing that they're working like around the clock and be like, Ooh, do I want to work that much? Or am I happy just doing what I'm doing and kind of weighing the pros and cons of getting those things. And then also being willing to be open-minded enough to explore other types of roles, not only within the L&D universe, but maybe HR and other things that like, hey, just because you came up this route, it's it doesn't mean you're locked into this type of career. You can go explore other things with curiosity, right? Yeah, you're you're never locked in. I mean, it's you're you're not you're you are never locked in unless you're telling yourself you are, right? Like it's there's yep. so many opportunities out there and you just flip turn your search around a little bit, you add a different keyword and something totally new pops up and it gives you a new a new direction to explore. Speaking of never being locked in, let's talk to those experienced L&D professionals who have been working in this space now for 20, 25 years. I know we have many of those listeners as well, many in our community. They provide a wealth of knowledge and experience, but also might be thinking, is there something different I want to do? Or I'm worried I might get passed by, or how do I move up and, and achieve that goal of being chief learning officer one day or something like that? When you work with people who are you know, in that space, what types of things are they thinking about and, and how do you help them become more successful in the long run? Yeah. So I, I work a lot with people who are already in high level L&D positions that mm. really want to focus on creating their strategy. And so I, I focus on coaching people on how do you create this learning strategic learning mindset mm. and growing in this position and, you know, to going towards being a chief learning officer, right? You, you shift between being a doer and, you know, to be more of a, a strategizer. And so I think in, in that sense, as you're, as you're growing in that career and knowing too, that, you know, chief learning officer isn't also like might not be the role for you as well. So it, a lot of the same principles of, of exploration really also apply to people who are in these high levels. I mean, I, I work with someone right now who's a VP of learning and looking at what their kind of next step is going to be. And through our work together and through the different ways that I encourage people to search for roles, found a, 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 a different role in a different sector that aligns with what her experiences and at the same time is a totally new challenge. So I think it's two parts in the sense of really coming into your own strategic, like, and this is your own personal strategy. So how, what do I do to create this strategic learning mindset for myself? And then also carry that through my organization, because what I work with a lot with my executive clients is getting that seat at the table. And there's a lot of you know, noise that happens, especially with inside of organizations. So for them, it might be they're looking for that next step. That next step might not be chief learning officer, but that next step might be at a different company that's going to give them more autonomy or give them more space to actually create. I work with a lot of L&D leaders who are realized our work together that no matter what they do within their organization, they can't make the impact they want. And so we kind of switch gears then and go back to saying, all right, well, let's look at, at what the right company means for you. So I think it's a combination of, of a couple of things of really coming into your own with your own unique learning strategic mindset. Uh, and then also from there, you know, how do you then take that strategy and apply it to the organization? And if the organization is not open or willing to it, and you know, we coach through that as well, it starts to starting to question, do I want to be here and do this? Uh, or do I want to try utilize these skills that I know I have at another organization that will allow me to shine and then allow me to move up to those higher level positions too. So it's a very personal 
and unique situation for each of my clients, but usually it kind of ends in one of those two things where either we're really working hard to create this strategic learning mindset and get that through the organization, or we're realizing no matter what we do with this organization, because of its bones and the way that it's created and the culture, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do and do it well. So let's explore other places where you can do that. COVID-19 pandemic and 2020 changed everything in business and talent development. Almost overnight, companies were forced to figure out how to engage their employees remotely and run their development programs virtually. Luckily, Advantage Performance Group has been running a webinar series and releasing free resources throughout the last year and beyond. Advantage is a proud sponsor of the Talent Development Hot Seat, known for creating learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish. To join our webinar series and find more of our free resources, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. Yeah, it might be time to start looking around and, and making a move, which is okay. And as we record this, we are possibly in the middle of what are some are calling the great resignation. And I think we both know a lot of people who are keeping their options open right now because they're just maybe not that happy with, um, you know, what's the culture or what's happening with leadership and the organization. You also touched on something really important there that I know is on the minds of a lot of people in HR and L&D, which is how do I get that proverbial seat at the table, right? How do I make sure that I'm, I, we're part of the business and not just seen as this cost center, oh, L&D costs a bunch of money when things are tight, we'll, we'll cut them. What are some things you see people do really well to help their L&D in general and also their role be seen as more strategic and get that seat at the table? Yeah, one of the, the big things I think that oftentimes in L&D, uh, I don't know if you know Heidi Kirby, but she's a, a friend of mine who has also has a, a great L&D podcast. She called, you know, I, I always called it order takers, but she calls it pizza makers, you know, that we're being told just to make the pizza. Totally. Uh, and so I think, I think there's two things. I think culturally and organizationally, there are, sometimes there's barriers and we have a hard time breaking through those, but I believe sometimes we can. And sometimes we have a culture that, you know, really allow, allows us to shine as L&D leaders. But I think the biggest piece of advice I have here is figuring out the, the way, and we do this through a lot of coaching, but figuring out how do I show up, A, be a problem solver, right? Like, I think that that's a, a big part of it, that not taking things at face value of create this training on this, or this happened over here, we need a training on it, of being able to utilize your voice and speak up as to why that may or may not work. Um, I think the biggest piece where people can start to get that piece at the table is stepping into that consultant role. And what, it doesn't matter if you are a VP, if you are brand new to the organization, whatever your role is, right? Having consulting skills are incredibly important to be able to say, all right, I hear you and that this is, you know, something you want a training on. I'm going to investigate this, right? I'm going to go and, and kind of look and take a look at what's causing this problem and being able to then be to be a consultant and say, I did some investigation. I found this was the, the, the root cause of the problem. You know, what will actually solve this? Sure, we can make a training, but what will actually solve this is if, you know, marketing sends out an email blast or if, you know, we put up a poster in the break room, right? We have to, we have to start thinking about learning outside of training. And so it's coach, it's being a consultant. It's also being a coach to the organization as far as how do we define learning, right? Not all learning is training. I could be walking down the street, see a tree that I like, open up an app, scan it. It tells me it's this pecan tree, 
right? So I just learned something. Was I trained? No, but I just learned something. So I think it's learning how to be part consultant, part coach to the organization um, and being able to think outside of our own traditional realms. I think a lot of times we as L&D leaders we get stuck in old school L&D of an e-learning or a PowerPoint or a video or a live training or get everyone on a webinar. And so we need to also coach ourselves out of thinking that all learning is done through training. So once you can kind of put on your consultant hat, your coach hat, and be able to like be comfortable with your own voice and be able to then speak up, that's when I see a lot of shifts happening, regardless of position, but especially with my L&D leaders, I start to see a lot of shifts happen for them personally, professionally, and then organizationally. I believe it. Uh, it's awesome. Really, really, really good stuff. Before we wrap things up, what is a top question that you get a lot from people that maybe we haven't addressed so far? Yeah, well, we addressed the certification ones. The, the top question I, I actually got, I was thinking about this uh, th this week, actually, um, it has to do more around the job searching. And so I have people ask me all the time, and usually when we start working together, how many jobs should I be applying for a day or a week or a month, right? And so I really, really focus on saying, well, how many jobs are within your niche? And so we get caught up and I see this, this is actually one of the, this was a catalyst for me to actually start my business was I was really sick and tired of seeing people writing. I applied for 200 jobs last month. My list of jobs I applied for is 500. I applied for a thousand jobs. Where the hell are you finding a thousand jobs that are like really that call to you? And so we get caught in this like vicious cycle of like, I'm applying to everything. Well, the law of life is well, the more you apply to, the more you're going to get rejected from, right? People right. might say, oh, the more you apply to, the more you'll get. But yeah. what happens is you apply to these roles you don't even really want. You get rejected from roles you don't even really want. And then you start to feel like, wow, I didn't even want that. And they didn't want me or I was yeah. overqualified. And so you get, you know, and you keep applying, right? And you get stuck in this in this loop. So my advice is when you're kind of just mass sending out resumes and tailoring and doing all of that stuff is, to go back to your niche and stop trying to fit into every box that's out there. It's finding what fits within your box and your unique interest skills that you bring to the table. So that's the, the number one question, I guess, how many jobs should I be applying for? And my answer is always how many fit within your niche apply to those. Mm, yeah. And yeah, it does like on the surface, you could say, well, it's, it's generally free to apply for jobs, right? So why not apply for more and see what you get? And certainly if you're desperate and you need to put, money, you know, bring in money and put food on the table. I can understand that, but putting more thought into the ones that you want, especially in a market like this, where, you know, there's such a demand for great skilled workers, maybe go really focus in on the niche, the place where you want to work and, and take your time if you can, right. And, and be thoughtful about it. The last thing I would ask is, are there trends that we need to be following in, in learning right now and really to kind of stay up to snuff and be able to talk about certain things when we get into say some of these job interviews for learning and development positions. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest trend right now is looking at kind of what is the, not, not only the future of work, but the future of learning. Mm. And, you know, I, a, a good friend and colleague of mine, Crystal Kadakia, she was just at ATD, um, did a lot of, she has a book designing for modern learning and I, I do consulting work with them. And so you know, a lot of what we were talking about as she came back from ATD 2021, which is when she was, we were talking more about how 
there is now this new, not only hybrid work, right? Where some people are remote, some people are in person and there's a mix of two, but there's now this hybrid learning where we can take these pieces of what's happening in a virtual space or what typically happen in a virtual space and bring them to in-person and vice versa. So I think it's, it's, it's important to think about as we, as we take this next step into learning and what that looks like for the, for the future of work, it's not putting things into silos and buckets of this is virtual, this is in-person, this happens here, this happens there, but being a lot more open-minded and again, going back to learning is happening all around us. And so how do we stop siloing ourselves and our programs and start to connect the dots between what's going to be best for the learner. Um, so I think that's that's the biggest area of, of trend to look out for is what's happening with the future of work and how can learning support what that looks like and how can learning actually maybe help guide that, right? How can we as learning professionals start to create what the future of work looks like for people too? So something to keep an eye out for, for sure. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned Crystal Kadaki. She was on the talent development hot seat. It's been a couple of years, maybe. I think back three, in 2019 or something. I think 2019. I'll have to go back and, and look that up. That was a great interview. It sounds like we need to have her back on to talk yeah. about that new book and the stuff she's been working on. So I'll have to make a note to reach out to her. Well, Sarah, this has been great. Uh, I'm going to ask you to hang around because I have a few bonus questions for you for our bonus round. Ooh. But this has been fantastic for now. I know you mentioned you have a free guide and some resources for L&D professionals. Where, where can they go to get those and get in touch with you? Yeah, so if you go to my website, theovernighttrainer.com, for the free resource on any of the pages, there's a, a place to enter your email and get immediate access to the, the Nailing Your Niche Guide. So that's there. You can find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Canistra. I'm there all day, every day. Feel free to message me, comment on something. I get back to everyone. It's something that's really, really important to me to, to be there for the community. So find me on, on LinkedIn, on my website. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you all. Love it. TheOvernightTrainer.com. Make sure you check out the Overnight Trainer podcast, connect and follow Sarah on LinkedIn, as well as all of my content on LinkedIn as well. And make sure you're on LinkedIn. I think that's another, just another great resource for you to talk about. Yeah, let's start there. <laughs> just to see what's going on in the learning and development world and follow certain people in L&D. Thank you, Sarah. This has been awesome. Loved all the information. I know it's been valuable for our listeners. For those of you listening, come on back in a couple of days for our bonus round with Sarah. Ooh. Thanks again. All right. That was my interview with Sarah Canistra, all about accelerating your success in learning and development. I hope you enjoyed that. What did you get from that interview? What did you take away from it? Make sure you take some notes. You write some things down. If you're looking for more help, connect with Sarah, reach out to her, visit her website, theovernighttrainer.com. I know she has some bonus resources there. And if you're looking to connect with more people in the learning and development community, come join us in the Talent Development Think Tank community. We have over 100 amazing, ambitious talent development professionals. You know, I say that, I really mean it. We have such great people in this community and we have really wonderful discussions as a result. And Sarah is one of them and I love having her in the community. So come join us. TDTT.us is the website. You can put in code HOTSEAT for 10% off. You can email me or book time with me if you have questions. And speaking of questions, tune in next time for our bonus round Q&A coming up soon with Sarah Canestra, all about her career, why she became an independent coach and consultant, some of the mistakes she's made, the trends that she's following, the challenges she sees in L&D, and some more advice for you as L&D professionals. So stay tuned. We'll be releasing that in just a couple days. 
Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.